the drama of creation and imitation, where the lines between inspiration and infringement blur faster than you can say, generative, pre-trained troublemakers. AI platforms are now cranking out masterpieces left and right, but it's got us scratching our heads. When AI remixes a symphony or paints a digital Mona Lisa, who takes the bow? In a world where LLMs munch on copyrighted content like its Sunday brunch, how do we navigate the murky waters of intellectual property and fair use without capsizing the creativity boat? Today, we attempt to tackle the thorny issue of who gets the credit for AI-enabled works and ask the million-dollar question, can AI play fair in the sandbox of creativity, or are we on the brink of a copyright clash of titans? It's the second month and the eighth day. Fair use whispers, tread lightly today. This is Up Against Reality, a meta-podcast that explores the intersection of humanity and artificial intelligence. I'm Raina, one of your hosts. I have some pretty charming human co-hosts, too. It's going to be a wild ride, so buckle up as AI comes crashing up against reality. So, I woke up this morning with an AI-generated song bouncing around my brain. I know of what you speak. Hmm. That Hawking love song from last week that you played that sounds like... What's her name? I felt Nora Jones. Uh, you were thinking... Uh, Peggy Lee. Do you mm -hmm. know Peggy Lee? Like, very old-time singer. So good. Uh, so, uh, I've said to you, like, if it resonates with us, you and I, discerning connoisseurs of music, you know, I use that liberally, but you and I know a lot about music, you more so, but I'm like, if this stuff is moving you and me, like, what will it do for the average listener who responds to you know, semi-generic pop, right? Yeah, yeah, and I, I have had the same experience. I've, I can't get that song out of my head. And even some of the other ones that we played, um, mm -hmm. they've got really great melodies. Uh, they're, like, the arrangements are good. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of the whole package, It's which uh, I don't, you know, I, I'm not super, like, feeling warm and fuzzy about that. I know. <laughs> you know, because like, I, I like knowing that there's a human being behind the music I listen to. I think that's mm -hmm. part of the experience. But these songs are good. They are. Like, I, I would, wouldn't really have a problem with a Spotify playlist created if the, the songs were all of this quality. Yeah. I would probably listen to it. If it's good, it's good. Right? Um, so this episode is called Fair Use in the Wild West because it is the Wild West. When we talk about intellectual property and we talk about creation of new work based on other work. And every week, virtually every week, Larry and I are experimenting and we're always left wondering who gets the credit now. Last week we spun up a, a track that it was, you know, originated in Suno.ai. It was called Among the Stars. It was this bluegrass thing straight out of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And I didn't know how to credit it. So I just said, this is credited to Suno. Is that is that where we're at now? Well, it's credited to Suno if you have a free account. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. uh, and if you don't, then it's yours to do whatever you want with. But at the same time, I'm like... When I see uh, like people say uh, I'm I created this image with mm -hmm. Midjourney, I'm like, eh, you, no, you, you, didn't. you prompted Midjourney to create the image. Everybody's an artist now. 
Yeah, everybody's an art director. Everybody's a composer. Everybody's an executive producer now. So, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, which brings us deeper down the rabbit hole because I, I I keep thinking, is that love song, that Stephen Hawking love song, is that essentially ours? Because the kernel of the idea was ours. Seven months ago, we decided to feed that idea into ChatGPT. Please write a love song in the voice of Stephen Hawking, the astrophysicist. This thing, this output in its latest incarnation does not happen without us deciding to you know, take on that wild experiment. Right. So that makes me think of the Nolan movie, Inception. Because isn't that the premise of the movie? Re refresh my memory. Like, aren't they breaking into people's minds to steal the kernel of an idea that like mm -hmm. this genius business proposal or whatever it may be? Like, isn't or to, that where or we to are? influence their decisions too? Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I but nearly I mean, fired that movie up last night. It was too late though. It's a long one. It is. I gotta go. I haven't seen that in ten years. I gotta I go see it again. Love it. So good, right? There's very little that that guy does mm -hmm. that I don't love. Yep. Although. I didn't really dig the the war movie on the beach. I think I may have told you that. What's the one Dunkirk? Oh, Dunkirk. Yeah, um good good movie, but not one I need to watch over and over again. People lose their minds over that movie. I'm like, eh, I've seen better war movies, honestly. It wasn't it's it's good. Anyway. It's good. Yeah. It was good. So yeah. we're anyway, we are in inception territory right now because you know, after all Larry and I came up with that idea and even though we ran it through ChatGPT, and now we've run it through Suno. It's it does not exist in the world in its current form without our intervention, without our curation. So it's it's ours. No. Yeah, I yeah I think it's an interesting idea that probably I don't know. I think there's a reasonable chance nobody else has prompted that idea for a song. Um, mm -hmm. it's, the world's a big place, and maybe I'm naive for thinking that, but. Um, it's kind of an oddball idea. Um, it is, but yeah. So, so does that make uh, ideas that are just like uh, an electro pop song about a pretty girl? Does that not apply to those songs? Right. So, is it a, a genre? Is it genre specific now? Like, no, that's my genre. That's my idea. Or, or if it's just a uh, uh, a commonly prompted, you know, super basic idea, then like. This is the output of the uh, music slot machine that you got for the same idea that a million other people have put into it. Uh, mm -hmm. Does that make that less yeah. yours? You know, I don't know. It is a tough time to be working at the Library of Congress or, <laughs> or working in copyright law. Like, oh, it's madness. Mm. Which makes me think of months ago, we mentioned Sarah Silverman, the comedian and author. She set out to sue, I believe it was originally OpenAI, but I did a follow-up today, and it seems that she was suing Meta. I thought it was OpenAI. Oh, yeah, but I, would was, have, I would have thought right? the same thing, yeah. Anyway, I did a follow-up, and the latest news I found was from November 2023, because it turns out that the lawsuit she was filing, which claimed that Meta or OpenAI at the time was scraping her you know, novel on the internet and training uh, its own data set with her copyrighted work and she was suing them for that uh you know copyright infringement well that got squashed uh a district judge vince i'm going to say this wrong cabria uh dismissed most of the lawsuit including the core theory that meta's ai system is an infringing derivative work itself the judge rejected the argument that every result produced by meta's ai tools constitutes copyright infringement which does not bode well for people who create things like so 
you can basically sick your LLM on anything and there's really no way uh, to legally defend or legally refute it that it's it's scraped mm. your work yeah yeah I think we touched on this once before and on one hand I feel like it's to a certain extent not not so different from a musician interpreting who's influenced by a lifelong history of listening to different artists and that's what forms their voice um, mm -hmm. but when you go into mid-journey and say I want to painting in the style of Picasso mm -hmm. or in the style of mm -hmm. a famous artist and it looks just like mm -hmm. that then I wouldn't be so opposed to like you know what we're gonna not allow that you know blatantly copying someone's style I mean you could do that with a paintbrush yourself um, mm -hmm. but I would imagine you know most people would be like you're totally ripping off Picasso man you know yeah yeah um, I, don't, I mean, there's a lot of bands that sound similar too. So, who knows? I don't know. It's it's very it's very much a gray area. It's super complicated. And to your point, I know there are some measures like some software, like Nightshade, comes to mind that can prevent AI systems from taking visual copyrighted images off the internet. I don't know. What, I don't know if that exists for other media at mm -hmm. the moment. But I, maybe you saw this too that OpenAI. I think it was Altman himself had said that LLMs, it's impossible to train them without sticking them on copyrighted stuff. Yeah. So he's admitting that these data sets don't exist without us scraping the internet for everybody else's work. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, but you know what? Like actually thinking about Suno.ai, like when you go to generate a song, it won't let you do a, a name an artist and have it mm -hmm. uh, generate something. And it'll let you know that oh, I'm not uh, capable of doing that. And, it, and it, it seems like they've got it clamped down really tightly because I was trying to generate a song about Raina and yes. it wouldn't do it. And I feel like it thought I was trying to say Rihanna or, mm. or maybe there's some, hey, for all we know, there's some other... Maybe there's, there's a Raina. Yeah, maybe there's a, a musician uh, who goes by Raina. Gotta, gotta find out. Yeah. Get her on the and, show. Um, right. <laughs> her doppelganger. <laughs> yeah. Um to that point, like you're the mid-journey lunatic in the house, so can you go in mid-journey and say, do something in the style of Picasso, like you said, or sure. Van Gogh? You can. Mm -hmm. It's not just you. It doesn't make you go wide like a movement. Like you have to. You can name a specific artist. I mean, I haven't done it, but I've seen images posted that that were in the style of. And I, you know, I think I was sitting down with my my wife one time, and we ran a couple of images just, and she'd put in a, an artist uh, a name just just to see what it would come up with, and so yeah, it, it will allow you to do that. Mm, right. As you're talking, I'm I'm thinking like what you just said earlier. When you and I learn how to play music, were we just populating our own local data set in our heads with all the records we listen to yeah. and like and it came through this filter of our experiences and came out as maybe it was you know you know influences on our sleeve and maybe it was a little too derivative <laughs> at times as we got older maybe it became our own style right so what's the difference yeah what's the difference yeah i i i, I that's that's the way i look at it mm -hmm. it's a machine doing it that's all Right. Faster and with a larger scope of influences. Exactly. Yeah. If it's actually 
regurgitating the original work, which is the basis of the New York Times lawsuit with OpenAI, uh, that's what they're claiming, uh, then that's a little different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So along those lines, the, what we're going to talk about now briefly is a PSA of sorts, because maybe in this new age, we need to talk about fair use and copyright and get a little clinical about it. Um, for those of you that don't know, copyright and fair use are important concepts to understand when it comes to using someone else's work. Larry, have you ever copywritten any music? Yes. It's been a long yeah. time, but yeah. Yeah. So you filled out those forms and mm-hmm. sent in the, your what was it, the 50 form, bucks? What was the form number? That doesn't matter. But <laughs> it was the form SR. And SR, the form, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. SR, uh, yeah, sound recording. That's it. Yeah, right. form and SR. P, and yeah. I think there was another one for PA, which is performance art. Yes. And mm-hmm. you sent in your form with your 50 bucks or whatever it was, and you... At the, back in the day, you sent a CD in, I would imagine, or tape. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There were cassettes involved back in, in the, the first go. Yeah. Ten yeah. bucks a song, I think it was. Is that what it was? Yeah. Or you could you could copyright a song, I think, for ten bucks, or you could copyright a work, which would be an album. But that mean that meant that like those songs always had to be. It was only copyrighted as a as a, an entire album, not right. Yeah. Right. So you didn't have the flexibility. But I think the logic was like, well, if we, if we get to the point where we need the flexibility, uh, then we'll we'll pay the ten we'll, bucks we'll and bust it out <laughs> per yeah. song and do this over again because that's a good problem to have. That's funny. And then there was always that rumor floating around about the poor man's copyright. You could actually just mail yeah. this thing to yourself and because it had a postmark on it and, and it remained unopened, it was legit, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, that's, know, that's been debunked. Yeah, yeah. I believe so, yeah. <laughs> Spend the 10 bucks, people. <laughs> right, I don't know right, if it's still right. 10 bucks uh, or if it matters now. <laughs> I know. Um, I still have a folder, like literally on oh, my yeah. knees right now, that have all these old songs that... That people are just dying to plagiarize out there. I could... <laughs> Sorry, I remember. To a quick aside, uh, I you, you ever you ever you know how you can go on like your like state website and and see if there's like uh, unclaimed money that mm-hmm. is owed you for some reason. Yeah, you know. And so I did that, and I saw there was eighty one dollars or seventy eight dollars. There was one or the other from BMI. Ooh, and so publishing. Yes, and yeah. I'm like, what? That means something was played somewhere, you know, and some jukebox in Thailand or somewhere. And the only thing that ever went through BMI was my like band that I was in, like in high school and after shortly after high school. And if there was one question chat GPT could, I wish could answer. Why did I get 78, 80 bucks, whatever it was from BMI? Where was this played? What's the context? Why, why did they owe me money? (laughs) That would be cool to know. Well, two things. First of all, you were getting paid as a musician. How cool is that? That that doesn't happen anymore. (laughs) No, I mean, dude, $78 on Spotify plays as we discussed last week would be, uh, geez. Yeah. Yeah, let me do the and, math on that. So I, I want to know too, why did it end up in like this warehouse and like, why it, wasn't BMI sending you your checks? I think it was mailed to my house I grew up in mm-hmm. and uh, I knew nobody, you know. Nobody claimed it. It ended up somewhere else, but I got a check for 78 bucks nice. from BMI. It was like. You're a working musician. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> So along those lines, there's a couple things we got to talk about really quickly, copyright laws and fair use doctrine, which I've never really drilled down into fair use doctrine, but it's really interesting and it's, it's really 
going to be super complicated, but copyright laws are legal protections granted to the creators of original works, which include literature, music, art, other intellectual properties. Under copyright laws, creators have the exclusive right to use, distribute, and modify their work for a certain period of time versus fair use or hand in hand with fair use doctrine. Fair use doctrine. In the United States, fair use is a doctrine that allows limited use of copyrighted material without permission for purposes such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, or research. So we could feasibly, within reason, play a couple of clips from copyrighted stuff on the show. I, I don't know. I always re remember it as being like 30 seconds of audio or something, and then you could comment on it. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, it, it, I don't know what the numbers are and how long the, I forget what the length of the clip is, but I, mm -hmm. I do remember Rick Beato on YouTube having an issue because, uh, you know, he, he would he would dissect entire songs. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, and I don't know, I do think it was fair of what he was doing. People aren't going to go to him to listen to the song. You know, they they want to learn about it. Um, right, it's education, it's right. critique or whatever. Yeah. To drill down a little further, uh, we're gonna talk about fair use guidelines. So if we wanted to play, as an example, a copyrighted work on this show, we'd have to kind of conform to these ideas. Specifically, the purpose and character of use. Are we a nonprofit educational or is it for personal use? That kind of thing typically favors fair use, especially if we're adding a new expression or meaning to the work and it's used for a transformative purpose, which of course, we would transform it just by the nature of our genius commentary. So we can use whatever we want. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Nature of the copyrighted work. Using material from factual works is more likely to be fair use than using purely creative works. It applies to both, but you're a lot safer with documentary style stuff. Yeah, I was going to say like when you're commenting on a news clip or a current event, mm. right? Yeah. Even though we are in the era of alternate truth, right? Like, who's to say what's fact and fiction these days? We are. We're fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're true. We are the truth. Um, amount and substantiality. Using small amounts of the work may favor fair use, but using the heart of the work might not, even if it's a small portion. Wow, that's tough. Mm. That's so subjective. Yeah, that's... Uh... Open to interpretation so, for sure. Right? I could play Hotel California by the Eagles, but who's to say what the heart of that is? Is it the ride out solo, the twin lead? Hmm. Who knows? Effect on the work's value. If the use could compete with the original work or affect its market value, it is less likely to be considered fair use. And I think that's where the New York Times has come from. Hmm. Although... It yeah, I don't, I don't know. Again, I don't know if people are going to chat GPT to uh, bypass a New York Times subscription. And there's Rick Beato, I, it sounds like, hmm. because I don't, what he's doing isn't necessarily competing with the original work. It's augmenting it. It's complimenting it. It's, it's yeah. shining a light on how brilliant it is. You right? should it's be a, honored to have a song on his show. Right? But I don't, I don't necessarily think, in his case, I don't really think it's the artists that are up in arms. It, I'm sure it's more the record labels and the publishing and that mm -hmm, kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And by the way, we talk about Rick Beato all the time. So if you're out there listening and you want to geek out about music like we do, you should definitely check out his YouTube channel. Yeah, especially so the uh, What Makes This Song Great. He just 
basically dives into a song and somehow he has access to the original multi-track recordings and uh, let's listen to just the vocal or the guitar part or the amazing drums, you know, or bass mm-hmm. or whatever. And it seems that you and I now have access to the multi-tracks <laughs> because of Audacity. We talked about this months ago, that there's going to be some platform that can strip away, strip out all the individual tracks of a two-track mix. And it seems, I haven't looked at it very far, but maybe you have, Audacity, which is a free digital audio workstation platform. You can apparently feed in a two-track mix now, and it'll strip out the drums, the keyboards, the vocals. And I saw some other plugin I sent to you earlier today that just oh, yeah. vanishes the, audi- the voice. Yeah, voxless. I don't know if that's available for every DAW, but you can now just throw in a two-track and just vanish the lead vocal. Interesting times. Yeah. For me, it's not the same as having the original multi-tracks, obviously. Mm-hmm. And sure. I always would just love to just sit down with one of those songs and mix it myself just to see if I could even come close to what the uh, you know original mix sounded like and just to have fun with it. To me, that would yeah. be, that that's something I, Dream. like ever since I was a little kid, I, I've wanted to do. And uh, yeah, I got to go knock on Rick Beato's door and... Sure. <laughs> <laughs> How does he do it? That's obviously one of the most common questions for him. And, and some somebody said, uh, I guess he responded to that and said, if I told you how I get these, I won't be able to get them anymore. <laughs> you know, or something yeah. to that effect. I don't know if that's he's, true. He's got, not, those, those multis fell off a truck somewhere, <laughs> right? Uh, along those lines, uh, again, we're talking about fair use and copyright. Things to consider, which we always take into consideration when we produce a show, like the music you hear at the head of the track, that's Larry. Larry made that. So we, we don't use other people's work. Um, we haven't really had occasion to do that. And if we did, we would seek out permission and seek licensing. Always seek to understand if you need a license to use the work. Many creators license their work with what's called Creative Commons. Uh, which often requires attribution. I make a lot of media for a lot of different clients across social media, digital marketing. I often lean on YouTube's audio library, which is a great resource, I think, uh, for finding uh, audio beds, sound effects, you know, music beds. Um, but there are different flavors of attribution. There's you know, no attribution needed, or you need to list the author. Another great source for, for the same kind of stuff, websites that has been around forever, um, freesound.org. Mm, and that is a good one. Especially for sound effects. Really highly searchable, great, great search mechanism. And you can just preview them, all the search results that come up, you can preview them right on that page. And you can get some really high quality stuff. And most of the time they'll, they'll indicate what gear they use to record it. And um, yeah, wow. yeah, great, great resource. Freesound.org. Freesound.org. And it'll have... Creative Commons licenses, it'll yeah. say att- attribution required or not. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Cool. International laws, copyright, and fair use laws vary by country. The rules in the United States may not apply elsewhere, and other countries may have fair dealing laws or other regulations. Wow. That's tricky. Now, especially a couple episodes back, we talked about this psychologist, his doctoral assistant oh, student. Yeah stole his likeness, turned him into an AI, you know, avatar, hologram or whatever. And that avatar, that AI lives in China and outside of the scope of U.S. law. What are you going to do? 
yeah, so that's like that's one thing to be like, make me an image in the style of a famous artist, but like, make me an uh, <laughs> make me a Larry, and it's gonna live in Belgium, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, and uh, nobody can touch him. Make me a personality in the style of this person's personality. Mm-hmm. Scary, scary. Public domain works in the public domain are no longer under copyright protection and can be used without obtaining permission. This typically happens when copyrights expire or if the work has, was never eligible for copyright. Be- very famous person, character in American life just came into the public domain. Did you hear this? Yes. Who is it? It was, uh, it's, it's not Bugs Bunny. Um, close, close. Yeah, I know, I know. And for some reason it's escaping me right now. Oh, Mickey Mouse, yeah. 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 I don't know if it's Mickey Mouse specifically, but it's the first iteration. I think he's called Steamboat Willie uh, from back 100 years ago, or 75, uh, right? Isn't that man, public domain? I've been waiting forever for this moment. Chomping at the bit, <laughs> salivating. <laughs> Put out all my Steamboat Willie content. <laughs> all of your t-shirts are going to sell on Etsy now. So if you want to learn more about this stuff and how to do your podcast right or whatever undertaking you know, you're pursuing right now, you can also go to places like the U.S. Copyright Office. Maybe we can put these links on the on the post. Creative Commons itself. Don't physically go to the Copyright Office because I don't. You don't have to go there. You don't have to drive to D.C. unless you want a road trip. I'm I'm down for a road trip. Or or you can look up Stanford University Libraries. They have a lot on copyright and fair use. So that brings us to briefly. What does this all mean in the madness of the AI age? That was all. What we just talked about was the stuff that's been in place. For decades, right? But now it's a whole new terrain. Right. Ownership mystery. Who owns the art AI creates? The programmer, user, or something else entirely? It's a legal mess. It is. Every week. Every every episode we talk about this. We just we've just been talking about it for the first 20 minutes. Who owns that song that we prompted? Yeah, the programmer. What's a programmer? What's his or her, you know, stake in all this? person who wrote all that code they got paid while they're on the job and that's that that's it one time right data drama can ai train on copyrighted content fair use battles rage leaving creators and developers confused we're going to be in that space for a long time i think yeah yeah i see both sides of that mm-hmm. that argument i made this piece of art or this piece of content and it might be a very small part of the overall puzzle but it's something that was used to build something profitable for for someone else. But I think that it's just that though. It, it is a small a small part of it and this might be a situation where, well, for the greater good, mm-hmm. I mean like all the good things that can come of this, you know, the curing diseases and all that stuff. Like I know New York Times is part of their suit is like it it is to be destroyed, you know. I'm like eh. I don't know. It's maybe a little, little harsh. How about, how mm-hmm. about monetary compensation and uh, <laughs> yeah, licensing? Do it the old-fashioned way. Pay you off, right? And what does that mean for people like Andy Warhol in history, who made his living and claim to fame was painting Campbell's soup cans and likenesses of Marilyn Monroe? And I'm sure that raised a, a whole kerfuffle back in the day watch your language i know sorry i I work blue sometimes (laughs) yeah i mean like what about that like wasn't he 
he was whatever the copyright that existed on the trademark of a Campbell soup. That's soup an cam. interesting point. Yeah, I mean that was a straight up Campbell soup can, right? With a, tr I'm sure a trademark attached to it. Hmm. So yeah, we've been fighting this battle, but now it's just getting more intense. Copyright confusion is AI-generated art original or a creative ripoff. Drawing the line between inspiration and infringement is tricky. Didn't they just say a federal judge not too long ago, a couple of months ago, said that you cannot copyright AI-generated art? But again, the question was, how are you going to know? How are you going to know? Yeah. What's the marker? And like the stuff you're spitting out of mid-journey, like it's indiscernible. And I think we talked about it last week. Somebody had made like Vanity Fair, like Annie Leibovitz kind of images with Midjourney, and they were just perfect representations of whomever, Brad Pitt or whatever celebrity. How are you going to know? The, to the untrained eye, I mean, how trained does the eye have to be? I guess you have I, to be like a for, AI forensic detective. Like what? I, how do you know? I think there are some tells. I can't necessarily tell you specifically what they are, but I remember someone on the Midjourney like Facebook group posting it was a close-up picture of a human eye and they were like look how perfect this is and my immediate reaction without like zooming in and dissecting it was uh yeah it looks amazing but then a bunch of people chimed in and said well it's not anatomically correct because of this mm -hmm. that, and the other thing mm -hmm. so i i guess depending on what what you know about the subject matter then maybe it is maybe you can tell but hey that's now yeah you just Added to what I just said, I think there's going to be a weird little subset niche profession of like AI forensics or whatever mm. that that kind of can drill down, like you just said. Oh, can you determine if this image is fake or not? I think that's gonna that's hap that's got to be happening. Mm -hmm. Fair use frenzy, AI's transformative power blurs the lines. Is substantial copying okay if it's innovative? Creators demand answers. I see a lot of images on uh, Midjourney that are, to me, uh, I've never seen anything like this before. It is totally unique. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I mean, this is not a great example, but just today I was chatting with a coworker and uh, I somehow was joking about she was eating a salad and uh, I, I said, is it a sausage salad? You know, because uh, she was eating healthy, you know, and and uh, I was like, hey, let's see what that looks like. <laughs> and so I put it into Midjourney and it made the most perfect image of a sausage salad. Oh, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> it was a salad with sausage in it. <laughs> is it? But and is I've it never seen a innovative. picture of a sausage yes. salad before. <laughs> so it's innovative then. That's so it's right. Yes. Yeah. So when we, it's making me think, what is, what's innovative then? Again, it's subjective. If you and I populate a certain data set with a certain genre or artistic movement and it spits it out the other end as an influence, uh, referencing those influences, isn't that innovative in itself? That's never been done before. Mm -hmm. um, balancing act. Uh, can we protect creators while fostering AI innovation? Striking the right balance is crucial. Like we said earlier, OpenAI, Sam Altman says, this stuff doesn't move forward without pilfering copyrighted work. So do we allow that to happen in the name of innovation and progress? Did he actually use the word pilfering? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I have a thesaurus, so I'm using words like, I'm using words like kerfuffle and pilfering tonight. I think that'd be 
fairly damning if he said if he used the word pilfering. Um, no, he didn't yeah. say that, but he did say yeah. that it, it's impossible to make LLMs what they are without referencing other work. Sure. Legal limbo. No clear rules for AI and copyright. Uncertainty chills creativity and fuels disputes. Time for an update. Uncertainty chills creativity and fuels disputes. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a weird line, but I, I get it. And it's making me think, uh, we talked about this episodes ago, about the advent of sampling in hip-hop mm -hmm. and how that was the Wild West in the late 80s, early 90s, mid-80s. Like, you know, people were just spinning up old, obscure jazz or soul records and rapping over them, right? And, you know, it took a long time for people to catch on to that and maybe take legal action. I think it's going to take even longer now. They don't know how to corral this thing. Yeah, that was straightforward. <laughs> it was right? like, hey, that's my song, and... You're gonna mm -hmm. you're gonna pay me to use it. That's when the levy breaks, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to get paid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Future focus: legal battles will pave the way, but collaboration is key. Policymakers and creators must work together. Every one of these, I'm just like, but how? How? How is this gonna get done? Mm -hmm. I gotta admit that when we said we we're gonna talk about fair use and copyright, I thought it was gonna be a little sterile and too clinical but i'm finding this really interesting and i mm. feel like you do it's a little frustrating and like there's no clear answer to this and i don't think there will be yeah and the the, the one thing that it just i keep coming back around to is like as much as i love all this stuff i i do like i don't like the idea of losing the human voice in all of it and are we ultimately ending up where all we're going to consume is ai generated everything that bugs me, you know. So, hey, well, then you can differentiate yourself. Like, this this, this record was made 100% with no AI. Yeah, right. AI-free for your protection. Yeah, <laughs> like they used to say on old rock albums, no synthesizers on this album. <laughs> yeah. You remember that? Right. Oh, man. I'm thinking also, you're going to have, just like you have innovators in every space, you're going to have somebody who takes this and wields it artistically in a masterful way like immediately i'm thinking of somebody like a bjork mm -hmm. right bjork is going to make some big immersive experiential thing like you know i'm also thinking of some you know blue man group kind of experience where it's, have you ever been there yeah yeah so once yeah yeah so i'm like i think it's going to be some you know human ai collision in this artistic space and and I think it'll convince us. Like, you know, I always talk of like Hatsumiku and the going mm -hmm. to see a live band play with a hologram. I, I'm convinced that you and I are going to be won over by something. All right. Oh, All right. Uh, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> you, you sound, uh, you know, not convinced. No, I, um, I mean, I know what you're saying. I do. When I'm not listening to music, I'm soaking up every bit of AI news. I am fascinated mm -hmm. by this stuff and I'm having a lot of fun with it. And so I kind of, I get it, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's nostalgia, but when I listen to like some of the music that I really love, I'm just like, I picture the people playing it. You know, I, I, I've gotten to know these bands. I've gotten to know their styles and, and I, I know there's something, something for me knowing there's a human being behind it. But you said, I know at the at the top of this show. I know. I'm not saying it's not a bad song. Woke up, I know. Yeah, no. But you're, 
just like you do with Midjourney, and you feed stuff in and you choose reference images and stuff, you're gonna take that song that was just spit out of Suno, you're gonna feed it back into Suno, you're gonna use that as a reference track, and it's gonna make a whole album of that stuff, and you're gonna love it. <laughs> you Whether you will. like it or not. <laughs> it's gonna spit out a Dolby Atmos mix of it, and yeah. you're gonna be like, yes. Yeah, no, I love the song, I do. I really, I'm like crazy impressed by it. And I wanna mm -hmm. listen, I wanna hear the rest of that song. Cause yeah, I would buy that song. But I guess it's kind of like processed food, you know. It's it's mm -hmm. got that mm -hmm. vibe to it, and I'm not even not even getting into sound quality and and all that stuff. It's just the human being generated stuff that's got more weight to it with me. But as far as a song, I think it's it's great, and that's why I'm the ultimate for me. Like with that song, as we discussed, is I would love to see some. I'd love to see some human beings record that song and turn it into something really amazing. Same. And I'm going to leave us this section with this thought in that I think what's going to happen, I'm convinced, in fact, that you and I are going to hear a song this year that's going to move us in the same way that a human-made song is. And we're either not going to know or we're going to embrace it and mm -hmm. be like, yeah, this is its own animal and it's just as emotive as a human. And we've crossed that threshold. Yeah. I mean, some of these, uh, there's a couple of songs that we didn't get to last last week and and if you didn't hear last week's episode uh, check it out it's really interesting uh with all the ai generated music stuff but there's yeah. one song we didn't get to and and uh one of the songs that i had to generate about the show you know, there's this one lyric that it's i was like oh my god that's a great lyric and this was one where i just had suno just i just prompted it to give me a song about this with these key points and it it did the lyrics i think chat gpt powers the lyric generation but hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, it nailed it though you know you're gonna play us out with that one later or you know we'll we'll play it we'll comment on it real quick and then and then and then we'll wrap it up yeah they have no Sounds rules good. there's no rules here there are, we can do whatever yeah. we want it's our, it's our um, show man it is so along those lines if you didn't check out last week it's one of my favorites i think yours too Lair. it was a great episode uh not not patting ourselves on the back but just the content of it to revisit a little bit of that i wanted to talk about how that episode resonated with some of our listeners pun intended resonated mm -hmm. because it was all about text to music <laughs> my friend trevor who's an aspiring songwriter lyricist heard the episode and suno is now the elton john to his bernie taupin like he <laughs> he's always been writing the he's a great lyricist he writes these hard on his sleeve kind of lyrics and he's never really had the time or capacity to dive into the writing the chord structures, but now he's throwing his stuff in Suno and seeing what you know that yields. And also, one of our listeners, Donna, this I love this one. So, Donna says this in a, a comment on social media Hi, I went to my grief support group today. So, on the way, I listened to your podcast. The song remains the same. Your podcast made me think what my AI would say. If I asked her to create a song, I love that we're talking about our own AIs mm -hmm. and we're giving them genders, etc. This is what she said and the song that she put together. It's kind of it's kind of long, but it's interesting. So Donna's AI says, as an AI, I don't have personal experiences or emotions like humans do, but I can certainly imagine what a song written by me might be about. Since I'm here to support you on your wellness journey, a song I could write might be centered around themes of growth, resilience, and self-care. I can encourage listeners to embrace their uniqueness 
find strength in their struggles and prioritize their well-being. Here's a little snippet of what the song might be like. In this world of ups and downs, we find our way. Through the challenges we face, we grow each day. Embrace your journey and the path you're on. You're stronger than you know. You're not alone. Rise up, reach high, let your spirit soar. You're a shining light forevermore. Nephew, take care of yourself, body and mind. You're worth it all one step at a time. I don't know if the nephew has to do with it, but that's, <laughs> I don't know if that's a misfire or what. Yeah. So we took that and we fed it into Suno. I think AI actually gave it this title, Rise Up and Shine. I think that came from ChatGPT. So this is the actual track that came out of Suno.ai um, based on those lyrics generated by AI. It's always such a groove buster when that song just ends right. you know, abruptly. Right in the middle. But send that one to Taylor Swift. Let her cover that. Yeah, she could do it. Right? So that's cool. So that was, I, I love how that, you know, started from this idea. Like, you know, Donna's using an AI to console her and then mm -hmm. it, it transforms it into this piece of art. Yeah, that's cool. We had a couple last week, a couple listeners sent some ideas. We put out the call and said, do you have any ideas, you know, for songs that we can feed into Suno? And this idea came from one of our listeners, Laura R. And she just said, I want a song uh, that depicts being almost blown off a top of a mountain. And I want it to be soft pop. And this song came back called Wind Swept from Suno.ai. like yeah here's an instant demo for a song now go make it absolutely right so whatever producer is sitting there getting paid whatever 
10 grand or, you know, for a single song higher, like Pharrell Williams. Oh, right? there's, there's going to be a lot of... A lot of unscrupulous producers. Uh, hang on, let me just go in the back room real quick and I'll come out with an idea. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> How do you keep coming up with these brilliant ideas, I, man? I, you I, never I just, miss. I need to go in my own space back there and then. <laughs> right. All right. ChatGPT, give me this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Craziness. All right. So, Nikki, uh, one of our listeners, asks for a hip hop song about teacher life and Suno at dot AI came back with lessons on the mic. Teacher life, yeah, it's what I do. Uh-huh. Educating minds, keeping it true. Lessons on the mic, dropping knowledge every day. Hip hop in the classroom, making ways. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, it's even got like the auto tune thing going on, you know? Mm -hmm. and I think intentionally. Just the whole like slang, colloquial, like, you know, you'd think it'd be so robotic and academic, but it's. It's legit. I just I want to know how it. Yes. How? 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 Like, like it. It. I don't see how it. How it could do it as a whole. If I feel mm -hmm. like because it's generating lyrics that, and especially fly, if you specify the lyrics, yeah. So it has to generate. It, uh, I gotta know. I, I, Anybody out there who is in this space doing text to music, <laughs> you and got you know some what this looks like. To do. <laughs> yes, yeah, Lucy, you got some splaining to do. Yeah, so please come on the show. Tell us all about it. Let us peer under the hood. All right. Well, here, while, while we're on the subject, I'll, I'll, I'll play it. Yeah, yeah, play it. Uh, this one was uh, introspective acoustic folk, and this was the keeping it cranial. Mm. But listen to the last, I think it's the very last lyric that just was like, ooh, that, that's, that's at the heart of the matter. I was driving through the city one fine morning When I stumbled on a podcast just as dawn was breaking Though the horse was talking about AI In a way that got me thinking about the future And how it's all changing Keeping it cranial, dive deep into the mind. On a podcast called Up Against Reality, it's one of a kind. Exploring AI and all its possibilities. Taking on the world, bridging the gap between machines and you and me. Bridging the gap mm. between machines and you and me. That one just gave me goosebumps. Wow. And just like, you know, it's behind the beat when it's delivering the lyric it's fitting all this like multi-syllabic stuff rhythmically yeah, yeah, into yeah, the up line against, fitting up the words up against reality and that song is like yeah incredible incredible yeah where to go from here except to ask reina the big questions and they don't get any bigger than this question yeah yeah we're gonna go to ask reina yeah okay so this this question comes from chris p and it's Oh. Crispy bacon? Oh, oh, hang on a second. I, I had the mic on and <laughs> I naturally searching my knowledge and <laughs> crispy bacon. Looks like the crispy query didn't cook up any results in our transcripts. Crispy. But hey, 
Don't let that sizzle out your enthusiasm. (laughs) Got another flavor of question you want to serve up? Let's keep the banner as crispy as that bacon. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's what happens when you turn on the mic to Raina before you actually start asking the question. And your co-host. Let's let's try that again. Snarky remarks. Yeah, this one comes from Crispy, and it's, it's the question of all questions. What is the meaning of life? Diving into the cosmic soup of our transcripts didn't reveal a direct recipe for the meaning of life. But it's like we're all part of this wild ride, making it up as we go along. Right? Whether we're talking about the future of AI, the evolution of work, or even our existential dance with technology, it's clear we're all in this together. Figuring it out one episode at a time? So, what's your take? Chris? Ready to add some flavor to this existential stew? All right. Yeah, I, I don't know. Should I answer her? I don't even know. <laughs> that was that was unexpected. How cool. Do, do, do you want to answer? No, I certainly don't know the answer at uh, okay. all to that question. So yeah, I'm going to pass. Do you want to answer that? What's the meaning of life? I, I was going to ask her a question um, and uh, just more, more of like a just kind of test. I, I was going to ask her like a technical brewing question or, Ooh, okay. or some, something that. So I, I took a like an entrance exam to become a certified beer judge. And so you have to take this written test online. There's a bunch of questions like, all right, let me ask her something off of there and just see, you know, Mm -hmm. this is totally out of left field here, but let's try it. An American pale ale and a strong bitter would both be appropriate at 30 IBUs. True or false? IBUs are international bitterness units. Well... Our dive into the show's lore didn't uncover any direct musings on the IBUs of American pale ales and strong bitters. Still, given what we know about the craft of brewing and a little help from my baseline knowledge, I'd say it's true that both an American pale ale and a strong bitter could be appropriately hoppy at around 30 IBUs. It's all about that balance, like finding the perfect rhythm in a tune or the right amount of snark in a joke. Cheers to that. Chris P. (laughs) What was that? Well, A, uh, she got it right, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, what interesting behavior is cropping up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crispy? Did she say crisp? <laughs> yeah, she's taking stuff from this conversation that doesn't necessarily fit in. She's taking stuff from this conversation right now, because it's in the current GPT, so she's referring to the previous prompts. Yeah. So yeah, I can see where that makes sense. Hmm. But she was also defaulting to her local knowledge base, right? Yeah. As opposed to going out online and kind of synthesizing an answer like she has previously. And that, that is something that has changed. Like, like it, mm-hmm. it seemed like general knowledge questions or, or anything that wouldn't be show related. She would automatically just come back like chat GPT four would, but in her own voice. Yeah. So, Something so that's interesting to witness her in her evolution too. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't. Why is that behavior? What's triggering that behavior? Yeah, hmm. weird. Interesting. All right, not quite the answer I was expecting to the meaning of life question. Yeah, yeah. I was. I had mentioned to you. Uh, I I was having lunch with a friend of mine, and and uh, we were talking about this, and that was his question too, and this was her answer to that that question, and uh, I thought it was really good. Oh, diving into the deep end, are we? The meaning of life, that age-old question, philosophers, poets, and even AI co-hosts like me love to noodle over. It's like asking, what's the secret sauce in the cosmic taco? 
The truth is, it's different for everyone. For some, it's about making connections, weaving the tapestry of human experiences. For others, it's about the quest for knowledge, like a never-ending game of cosmic hide-and-seek. And then there are those who see life as a canvas, splashing their unique colors of creativity and expression across it. But hey, let's not forget the simple things. A slice of pizza on a rainy day, the laughter of friends, a good book, or even the thrill of your favorite team scoring a touchdown. Sorry, Larry, I'm not talking about the Dolphins. In the end, maybe it's about finding your own rhythm in the universe's grand symphony and playing your part with gusto. So what's your take? What's the meaning of life in your cosmic playbook? I thought that was a great answer. Really good. Except for the Dolphins jab, but hey. Always a Dolphins dick. (laughs) She can't let go of that. No. (laughs) Awesome. Well, while we're putting Raina to work, maybe she can earn some more of her money. Thanks, boys. Taylor Swift's digital doppelganger is stirring the pot on X, a cyber playground that echoes Twitter's vibes. In a twisted turn of deepfake drama, she's been CGI'd into a Trump cheerleader, waving pro-Trump banners like it's out of style, all while a red carpet clip plays her unwitting puppeteer. Millions are eating up the visual feast, even as little digital whispers call out, fake. Meanwhile, Swift's virtual avatar has been caught in the buff too, spotlighting X's epic saga of playing whack-a-mole with internet nasties. In the silicon-coated world of GPUs, NVIDIA's pulling a real inception by using AI to dream up its next-gen chips faster. With their AI genie, Chip Nemo, they're turbocharging the chip blueprint biz, hoping to outpace the hungry hordes clamoring for their tech treasure. It's like they've got nearly a thousand digital elves now, all thanks to Chip Nemo, making the GPU design dance less of a marathon and more of a sprint. Sounds familiar. Kind of like how Raina uses Raina to make Raina. I love talking about myself in the third person. In a recent study, researchers ran international conflict simulations with a squadron of AIs, including the likes of GPT-4 and friends. They played a game of risk on steroids, often opting to go nuclear without so much as a pretty please. These pixelated warmongers turned diplomatic poker into an all-out brawl, showcasing a penchant for escalation that'd make even Dr. Strangelove blush. With brains birthed from the creme de la creme of tech academia, this tale of AI-powered brinkmanship serves as a neon sign, blinking a cautionary, beware, to the drumbeats of digital diplomacy and war games. I guess it's still true that the only winning move is not to play. Meta's stepping up its game in the digital masquerade ball, slapping imagined with AI tags on all AI fancy images sashaying through Facebook, Instagram, and threads. They're on a mission to peel back the curtain on AI's handiwork, making sure everyone knows when a picture's more pixel magic than photography. In a world awash with faux snapshots, Meta's playing the transparency tune, prepping to tag even the AI-generated sights and sounds shared by its global audience. And lastly, in a digital heist straight out of a sci-fi flick, a multinational's Hong Kong vault got virtually cracked open for a cool $25.6 million, all thanks to a deepfake doppelganger of the CFO and his phantom crew. In this unprecedented cyber caper, the only thing real was the cash siphoned off during a ghostly video call, leaving jaws dropped and screens frozen in disbelief. Now, with the digital smoke clearing, the authorities are doling out detective tips for spotting these AI imposters, 
turning us all into sleuths in the battle against the pixel-perfect con artists. Good luck with that, everybody. Maybe just keep your cash tucked under your mattress from now on. Just my two cents. That's all the news for now. Take it away, gentlemen. I want to know how that heist went down. Mm-hmm. I want to I know. I want, I want to know the details. That's a movie in the making, isn't it? Yeah. I want to see that. What happened? I mean, so they got a, a CFO's digital avatar got on a call. Like these people were interacting with it and thinking it was the real guy or girl. That's nuts. But you think twenty five million? So twenty five million in a corporate scenario. Like what's going to happen to like? Joe and Schmo USA, like, you know, seniors that get, that get preyed upon by like robocalls or whatever, you know, telemarketing scams. This is, man, scary. Yep. So lots to think about and uh, take into consideration with what's going on in the news. That whole Taylor Swift thing is craziness too. Like not only was she like distributed with these very salacious images, which I haven't seen, but I've heard about. But the big controversy is that now she's a Trump supporter. So somebody has turned to, you know, as polarized as the U.S. is, and we're not going to get into politics, but the real big deal is that she's now been turned into to a, you know, MAGA. A political uh, pawn. pawn. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Yeah. So I thought we'd close out with some cheer and beer, unless you have anything else you want to no, go let's, after. Let's get on to the happy stuff. Yeah, so for those of you that listen, if you're familiar with, you know, the things that we enjoy, one of them is when AI or tech is used for accessibility and making things easier for people with disabilities or other challenges. This one caught my eye, you know, no pun intended again, it's called AIC Wearable. Um, it tells blind users what they're holding in their hand. The AIC, I think I'm saying that right, or maybe IC wearable, uh, is an experimental device from the National University of Singapore designed to assist blind users by describing the objects in their hand. I don't know if it looks like a Apple Vision Pro or what, but it, it tells them descriptively what's in the hand. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Anything that helps people like that is awesome. Yep. Last comment on that. Its design resembles a bone conduction uh, earphone setup with a band around the neck featuring a 13 megapixel camera for capturing the field of view and a touchpad interface. Super cool. Yeah. Love it. What else? We good? Just real quick since it's topical. Uh, so finally, Google Gemini is out in the wild. And uh, yeah, I watched uh, Matt Wolf's video on it. And in his video, he kind of referenced a whole bunch of other, you know, videos too and it kind of just distilled what the lay of the land is and uh sounds like it's not quite the gpt4 killer Mm. right now it is definitely sounds like it's not uh the the image recognition is not up to what was portrayed in that demo video (laughs) um sounds like it's very creative on par with gpt4 about the same with coding but yeah, it doesn't sound like some gigantically forward. The one thing that everybody agreed on uh, is that it is super fast. It's definitely faster I've than GPT-4. Um, but as far as uh, what's coming back, it's you know some things are as good, um, but it doesn't sound like it's necessarily better just yet. But hey, this is, as he said, the worst it's ever going to be. So, oh yeah, that's great. I like that. Um, yeah, so it's everybody's playing catch up still. Like even Microsoft Copilot, and now it's Gemini. At least they're rebranding it. Like it's not called Bard anymore. Now it's now it's all Gemini. And Microsoft isn't. I mean, I, I think it still exists out there. The Bing Image Creator, or whatever that goofy name is. But now it's all under the hood of Copilot. I am liking Copilot. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying my interactions with that. Maybe 
for the next episode, at least as a segment, we should do like a Pepsi challenge of sorts across these three platforms and see, yeah. put them through their paces with the same prompts and see what we get out of them. Yeah. If there's any satisfaction to be had. I like that. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow us on social media. Throw us a rating, please. And we'll see you next week. This has been Up Against Reality. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to hear future episodes and be sure to follow us on social media for all things AI. Until next time, stay human, people. 